He irritates me in everything he does and says, burst out Emily with much heat. He's a pig sometimes, said I. He is, she insisted. He irritates me past bearing, with his grand noble way, and his heavy smartness. I can't beat it, in the way Mother humbles herself to him. It makes you wild, said I. Wild, she echoed, her voice vibrating with nervous passion. We walked on in silence, till she asked, Have you brought me those verses of yours? No, I'm so sorry, I've forgotten them again. As a matter of fact, I've sent them away. But you promise me. You know what my promises are. I'm as irresponsible as a puff of wind. She frowned with impatience, and her disappointment was greater than necessary. When I left her at the corner of the lane, I felt a sting of her deep reproach in my mind. I always felt the reproach when she had gone. I ran over the light bright brook that came from the weedy bottom pond. The stepping stones were white in the sun, and the water slid sleepily among them. One or two butterflies, indistinguishable against the blue sky, trifled from flower to flower, and led me up the hill, across the field where the hot sunshine stood as in a bowl, and I was entering the caverns of the wood, where the oaks bowed over and saved us a grateful shade. Within, everything was so still and cool that my steps hung heavily along the path. The bracken held out arms to me, and the bosom of the wood was full of sweetness, but I journeyed on, spurred by the attacks of an army of flies which kept up a guerrilla warfare round my head till I had passed the black rhododendron bushes in the garden, where they left me, scenting, no doubt, Rebecca's pots of vinegar and sugar. The low red house, with its roof discoloured and sunken, dozed in sunlight, and slept profoundly in the shade, thrown by the massive maples encroaching from the wood. There was no one in the dining-room, but I could hear the whir of a sewing-machine coming from the little study, a sound as of some great vindictive insect buzzing about, now louder, now softer, now settling. Then came a jingling of four or five keys at the bottom of the keyboard of the drawing-room piano, continuing till the whole range had been covered in little leaps, as if some very fat frog had jumped from end to end. That must be Mother dusting the drawing-room, I thought. The unaccustomed sound of the old piano startled me. The vocal cords behind the green silk bosom, you only discovered it was not a bronze silk bosom, by poking a fold aside, had become as thin and tuneless as a dried old woman's. Age had yellowed the teeth of my mother's little piano, and shrunken its spindle legs. Poor old thing, it could but screech in answer to Letty's fingers flying across it in scorn. So the prim brown lips were always closed, save to admit the duster. Now, however, the little old maidish piano began to sing a tinkling Victorian melody, and I fancied it must be some demure little woman, with curls like bunches of hops on either side of her face, who was touching it. The coy little tune teased me with old sensations, but my memory would give me no assistance. As I stood, trying to fix my vague feelings, Rebecca came in to remove the cloth from the table. "'Who's playing, Beck?' I asked. "'Your mother, Cyril. But she never plays. I thought she couldn't.' "'Ah,' replied Rebecca, 
you forget when you was a little thing sitting plain against a frock with the prayer book and she singing to you you can't remember her when her curls was long like a piece of brown silk you can't remember her when she used to play and sing before letty came and your father was rebecca turned and left the room i went and peeped in the drawing-room mother sat before the little brown piano with her plump rather stiff fingers moving across the keys a faint smile on her lips at that moment letty came flying past me and flung her arms round mother's neck kissing her and saying oh my dear fancy my dear playing the piano oh little woman we never knew you could